a few years ago, and you think, well, Pastor, have you run out of anything to preach? Oh, no. No, I've not run out of anything to preach. But uh, I want to I wanna just read you a passage of Scripture before we get here to help you know what God's got in His mind, all right? And uh, He says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. So he said, you know these things, so I won't be negligent to put you in remembrance of this. Now, this is not in Colossians. This is a different place. I, it's in, actually, it's in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Yea, I think it necessary, as long as I am in this tabernacle or in this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Uh, so, the my thought is today, you may know everything I'm going to say, and you may could even say it better than me. But the thing about it is, it's, it's fallen my lot to say this and to bring it up. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of His dear Son. So we're going to be talking about the kingdom and how to live, and we're going to see some things in that. And, and we're going to, you know, we sang that song to begin with, Build Your Kingdom Here. Build your kingdom. And, and the thing about it is that so many of us, it, we don't understand that the kingdom is already here. The kingdom of God is here now. Because in Luke it says the kingdom of God is within us. So let's, let's begin reading here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, the preceding verses, there had been a pastor of the church, Epaphras, and he had come to where Paul was and he told him what was going on in the church, how things were working, how things were moving. And so this set Paul to pray. And one thing that we, you find out as you read in the epistles that Paul spent a lot of time praying for these churches and reminding them that he prayed for them and why he prayed for them. So as we pick up this in, in verse 9, he says, For this cause, because of what he had heard, uh, their love in the Spirit and the other things that were going on. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I want you to notice there's some things that he specifically prayed for. He didn't just pray and say, Now God bless them. Just bless them, Lord. Just bless them good. He prayed for some specific things to take place. And... And that's, that's something we need to learn. Somebody say, you know, well, I'm going to pray for uh, old Bill over here. Lord, just bless Bill today. And we think that covers it all. But there may be something specifically that Bill needs prayer for that day. And as we're being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can help us know what to pray for for Bill that day. So, so we need to understand that, that and it's okay to, to call somebody's name and say, Lord, I just asked you to bless them today. And that's okay. But people, I know this. There's not a day goes by that I don't have specific needs. And there's not a day goes by that you don't. And, and sometimes more than one specific need, right? So he's praying for some things here. So think about these as we talk about it. First of all, he prayed that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. In other words, that they could know the Word of God. Know what the Word of God is. Know what the will of God is. 
And then that you might walk, now he's still praying, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Now think about that. He's praying that these people would walk worthy of the Lord. In other words, that they would show their self in their everyday life that they are indeed children of Almighty God. And not be ashamed of that. See, one, one thing that happens to us is we get put in situations to where that it looks like we might be a little bit ashamed of who we are. You know, that would be like a, a fellow that grew up in a family that sort of had a bad name, bad reputation, and here he is trying to, to do what's right and to change that, but then he's almost ashamed to let it be known his family name. So he backs out of crowds, he backs out of, of conversations, he backs out of things of that nature, and, and becomes a loner. And so that's something that we do if we don't watch ourselves is either we back out and won't have nothing to do with the crowd or we just work to become part of the crowd and not let our identity be seen. So he's saying here, I'm praying that you're never ashamed of the Lord, that you look to Him, that you walk worthy, that, that you hold the name of Christ with pride, that you hold that up and you're not ashamed for somebody to know that you're a child of God. And then let them see that by being fruitful in your good works. And then, another thing he's praying for, that they, that an increasing in the knowledge of God. Walk worthy of the Lord, bear fruit, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, can I tell you this? He was praying this for them, be increased. But you know whose responsibility, when it comes right down to it, whose responsibility it is in this church for you to be increased in the knowledge of God? Now, it's not mine. Now, I have a responsibility to help you in that. I have a responsibility to pray for you in that. But if you don't receive that, they, you know, I can pray to, from now till the moon turns to blue cheese. And, and you're not going to get any unless you're applying yourself. So this is what he's trying to help them understand. Walk worthy, be fruitful, and increase in the knowledge of God. Let this, let this get in you. And then another thing he's praying for, that you're strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power. And I'm telling you, when, when we will allow the power of God to work in us, folks, we've got to realize that that power of God is able to overcome, undo, and do anything that needs to be done in our life. And, and it says in, in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask or think, according to the power that works within us. So He said here now, be strengthened, with this glorious power, under all patience, long-suffering with joyfulness, in other words, getting along, and then giving thanks unto the Father. He said, I'm praying that you begin to give thanks, because I'm giving thanks. In my prayer for you, I'm giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us worthy. In the King James, that word meet is worthy. Worthy to be partakers, taking part of the inheritance of the saints in life. Now, let me tell you something, folks. If you're a child of God, that verse alone ought to get you past the unworthy state. Why? I'm not, I want you to notice in that I'm not worthy of the blessings and the grace of God because of who I am and because of what I do. I'm not worthy because I'm a pastor. I'm not worthy because 
that my name is David Carroll. I'm not worthy for any other purpose. I'm not worthy because I read, pray. I'm not worthy because I sing, visit, anything. I'm not worthy because of those things. I'm worthy because He made me worthy. You're worthy. You, where you are right now, as a child of God, you are worthy of every blessing of God. Quit saying, I, I hear people say this, well, I'm, I'm blessed more than I deserve. I just want to say, wait a minute. No. If you're blessed, you deserve it. And, and we'll say, well, I'm just not worthy of all of this stuff. Yes, you are. In yourself, you're not. But thank God I'm not in me no more. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Now then, I am in Christ Jesus. And in Christ, I am made worthy of the blessings of Almighty God. Now, partakers, taking a part of the inheritance of the saints in life. Who hath, now talking about God, who hath delivered us, now I want you to get this right here. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now get a hold of that. Now listen, in the King James, that word hath, there's no English word, means has already done. It's already taken place. Listen, folks, when I made Jesus Lord of my life, I am no longer waiting to be delivered from the power of darkness. I'm no longer waiting to be translated in the kingdom of His dear Son. He has already done. It has already taken place into the kingdom. I'm going to read a couple more verses, try not to to come in, only because I want to come back to 13. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things that, that, that in all things He might have the preeminence or be first place. I want to come back to verse 13. God has already, the power of God, the work that Jesus did when I accepted that, He has already delivered me from the power of darkness. I no longer have to function under Satan's control. I no longer have to give in to him. He is no longer my king and my ruler unless I bow down to him. If I bow down to him, it changes everything. But why in the world? Once I understand this, why would I want to bow down to him in anything when he has already translated me, God has already translated me over into the kingdom of his dear son? It's like I said a lot of times. I'm not sitting out on the dock waiting to be picked up. Folks, I have done been delivered signed and sealed according to the Word of God. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but boy, it just gushes me up down in here. To think about, to think about, no longer a slave to sin. No longer, why? Because now I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm in a kingdom. I'm in the kingdom of His dear Son. So what I want to talk about now for a while is the kingdom. Now, in the New Testament, the kingdom is known by different names or has some different names associated with it. There's, we, we find the term, mainly in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven. 
And the word, the term kingdom of heaven is used 32 times in the New Testament. Then we find the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is found 69 times in the New Testament. And then you find this other ways. We find another place that His kingdom, talking about God's kingdom or the kingdom of Christ, is found eight times here in Colossians 1, 8, 13. It says the kingdom of His dear Son. And in Ephesians 5, 5, it talks about that the kingdom of Christ and of God. All of these put together is the kingdom. And you and I, as we wake up today as Christians, we are already in the kingdom. Now, Paul said in another place that our citizenship is not of this earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in this heavenly kingdom. It's in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of His dear Son, the kingdom of Jesus and God, His kingdom. This is where our citizenship is, and all of these together are talking about pretty much the same place, unless it specifically refers to God's throne and God's home, His abode, which is a heaven that is above this earth that I'm going to one day. But thank God that God is not only wanting to get me to heaven, but He's given me some heaven to go to heaven in. And it's called His kingdom. Now this kingdom is a literal kingdom. It's literal. And it operates on two different levels. In uh, Psalms 115 and verse 16, Psalms 115 verse 16, the heaven... Even the heavens are the Lord's. The heavens. And the heavens is talking about God's abode. They're the Lord's. But the earth hath He given to the children of men. Now, He, 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 he gave us on this earth, He gave us this earth. He's already done this. And, and you know, the Bible says that you and I inherit this earth. Well, I thought that was going to be in the millennial reign. No, listen, we're to... To inherit means that we take possession of and begin to control it. And we've sat back and won't let the Republicans and Democrats control it. My, what a mess they've made. Right? But he said that we should be in control of this thing. Now I'll show you another verse, Psalms 103, verse 19. Psalms 103, verse 19 says, The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. Well, I'm in His kingdom, and His kingdom rules over all, then His kingdom is now, I'm in it, and I'm still on this earth, and He's given the earth to the children of men. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm one of the children of men. Okay? I'm not children of giraffe. My neck's not long enough. I'm not children of rhinoceros. I had not got a horn sticking out my nose. Sometimes I think the reader thinks I got one on top of my head, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Anyhow, so we have a kingdom. Here on this earth, there's a kingdom in heaven, God's abode, and there's a kingdom on this earth. See, Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6:10, when the disciples came and said, Teach us to pray. And he said, When you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, he taught us to pray this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done 
on earth. Now, he's not talking about some kind of prophetic prayer that we're praying for down in the future when Jesus is going to come and establish a kingdom on this earth that will last a thousand years. We're not talking about that. What he's talking about is now some kingdom things begin to happen and begin to take place. Now, there's a lot of things about this kingdom that we need to realize. First of all, there's some keys to the kingdom. He, he said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. So uh, another thing, too, that we need to think about, the kingdom of heaven is not a welfare state. You don't get in the kingdom of heaven and then just sit around and do nothing. The kingdom of heaven and God's kingdom, the kingdom here on this earth, we're supposed to be active, not sitting around on somebody else to do, waiting on somebody else to do what God has called us to do. And it's not a welfare state. It's not a give me. It's not a stand in line, hold your hand out, and say, well, I know God's going to bless me one of these days. That's not what it is. See, I believe that, that we have ruined American people, especially young people, by creating a welfare state in this nation to where that they feel like that they can do a few things and get food stamps, and there's nothing wrong with needing these things, okay? I'm talking about needing these things. But I'm talking about people putting themselves in a situation and, and, and working it to where they get food stamps, they get government assistance, they get health insurance, they get all of these things, and never get up and go to work. That is completely contrary to kingdom of God principles. There's no welfare state. Matter of fact, in the kingdom of God, you'll find things like that God, God worked. God worked six days. He worked six days. Get a hold of that. He worked. God worked. Labored. Worked six days. And then He rested on the seventh day. He worked. Jesus came. And, and, and after we don't know what age exactly it was when His father Joseph passed away. Church history says that Joseph, uh, his earthly father, passed away and that that uh, then Jesus, being the oldest, it was up to him to support his family. He worked. And then he encourages us to work. The disciples worked. And Paul worked. Paul worked making tents. And, and we're told that if we don't work, we're not to eat. And not only that, it says that a man that don't provide for his own is worse than an infidel. And, and, and that infidel is somebody that just does not believe. It didn't say kill infidels. It said they're worse than an infidel, okay? Different between us and that other religion over yonder. So there's no well, and not only that, the kingdom, <laughs> and I'm, I, y'all notice I'm not trying to be real politically correct. I don't believe in that. Uh, I believe in being politically correct as long as it's the truth. Okay? But in the kingdom of heaven, it's not inhabited by illegal immigrants. There's no illegal immigrants in the kingdom. You say, now, Pastor, you've been, you've been sort of, uh, uh, I can't think of the name of the word I'm trying to figure out here. Uh, anyhow, because what's wrong with illegal in- immigrants? There's nothing wrong with illegal immigrants, but I'm going to tell you something. You do not get in the kingdom of heaven illegally. There's no way. There's only one way to come into the kingdom of God, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. No other way. You can't get in any other way. As a matter of fact, there's a story about a king that made a supper and he went sent out and they wouldn't come. They sent again and they still wouldn't come. And then he said, go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come. And so they went and then when he got there, all the guests had a wedding garment on except one. He didn't have a wedding garment on. 
He was labeled an illegal, illegal immigrant, and he was cast out of that meeting. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's only one way that you can get into the kingdom of heaven on earth, that you can function in the kingdom of heaven on earth, and that you'll get into the kingdom of heaven, which is God's abode that's coming to us, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can go no other way. You can't go because you do good works. You can't go because you say good things. You can't go because you think good thoughts. You're not going to get in the kingdom of heaven uh, anyway. You can't buy your way in. You can't sing your way in. You can't read your way in. You can't do any of these things because, folks, let me tell you something. The entrance to the kingdom of heaven cannot be bought with money. It cannot be bought with, with works. It cannot be bought any other way except through the blood that Jesus Christ shed for you on the cross of Calvary. He alone paid the price for me to be able to get in the kingdom. No illegal immigrants. Hallelujah. And I have a reservation about illegal immigrants. There's nothing wrong with being an immigrant in this nation. Nothing at all. This nation was built by immigrants, wasn't it? Not illegal, but legal immigrants. And I, I tell you, they talk about all this stuff about illegal immigrants and what a shame and all this it is that they're getting caught and, and getting arrested and sent back and all of that, that they're law-abiding citizens. If they're law-abiding citizens, they wouldn't be illegal. They would be doing what is necessary to get things legal. Okay. Hmm. To enjoy the kingdom benefits, and there are some kingdom benefits, and we're going to talk about those in a minute. To enjoy the kingdom benefits such as uh, healing, healing in the kingdom, physical healing, spiritual healing, mental healing, healing of whatever kind you need, then, then that's in the kingdom. Uh, there's another benefit in the kingdom, power over demons. Yeah. In the natural, you don't have any power over demons. You don't have any power over demonic attacks outside of the kingdom of God. But inside the kingdom of God, there's power over demonic spirits, demonic activity, the demonic pressure that's coming against you. And so we need to learn how to use this. And another thing in the, in the kingdom, there's forgiveness. Forgiveness from God for when we miss it. Forgiveness that we can allow to forgive others. And there's the righteousness of God that will supply every need and see that all of our needs are met. And, and so many more things that we'll see. But if you're going to enjoy the benefits, you must learn to talk kingdom talk. Wow. Kingdom talk. Kingdom talk. What is kingdom talk? Well, we'll, we'll get to that later, but just let me give you a little snippet right here. Kingdom talk is not just having a good confession about faith, but I think kingdom talk requires that. That we quit talking doubt and unbelief. That's from that other country that we lived in over there, okay? I believe, I believe just like when you come to America, if you're going to be an American, you need to speak American. If you live in the South, you need to speak Southern American. <laughs> so, when you come in the kingdom of God, we need to leave the language of that other country behind. And I'm not talking about just vulgar talk. That, you know, Christians ought not to be talking vulgar talk. Christians are commanded not to talk vulgar talk. But I'm talking about the doubt and unbelief. But also, when we learn to talk, kingdom talk, we're going to be talking things of encouragement. We're going to be talking things of love. We're going to be talking things of concern. We're going to be talking good things. And we'll be following what it says, in, and I believe it's Ephesians 4.29, that says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but speak that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. 
So we, we need to learn to talk kingdom talk. I'm in this kingdom. I'm in this different nation now. And I want to learn to talk kingdom talk. You can do that and speak English, okay? You can do that and speak Southern American, right? I guess that's what we speak down here. I don't know. Somebody said, somebody said that we're about, in the South, we're about like they were at, at before the Tower of Babel there. They had 70 different dialects. But anyway, <laughs> they all said the same thing, but said it seven, seven different. But then another thing, you've got to learn to think kingdom thoughts. Kingdom thoughts is that I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Kingdom thoughts are covered in, in places like Philippians 4.8 that says whatsoever things are lovely, just, pure, honest, and of good report, think on these things. So I want to live and function in the kingdom. I want the best the kingdom has. So I need to learn to think kingdom thoughts. And then I need to learn to live kingdom ways. Now we'll get into all of those. The kingdom is governed by laws. Just like this nation is governed by laws that says don't do this, don't do that. You can do this, you can do that. And when I talk about the kingdom being governed by laws, I'm not talking about the law as far as the ten are concerned of that nature, even though they're in the kingdom. A lot of folks trying to kick them out, but they're there. But you can take care of those when you follow the law of love. And what and the law here is not so much a, a law of rigor or a law of not and do, but it's a concept of things that work every time. When we do it, it always works because it's a law. Like the law of gravity. The law of gravity works here on the earth, but they have to manufacture it in the space station. Isn't that right, Brother don't they have to manufacture? It's not just automatically gravity free up there, is it? I mean, gravity. That's what I'm talking about. So to have any, they'd have to manufacture it up there, wouldn't it? But it works here on the earth. I can drop this book ten times, and it's going to hit the floor ten times unless somebody catches it, or unless the Holy Spirit comes through in a miraculous way and grabs it when I turn it loose. You say, preacher, you think that? Well, yeah, but you know, the gravity is going to work unless something else overtakes the gravity. It's going to work every time. Every time, every time, every time, every time. So, when we talk about laws, we talk about the law of love. It works every time. You never go wrong by loving people. The law of faith. The law of faith produces and the law of faith works by love. Then there's the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There's things that Jesus set down that he died for that when we submit to that, that works for us. Then there's the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest says you give, you reap. You plant, you sow, you reap. And then there's the law of liberty that says that when, when I come in and I follow the Word of God and I live in this life, that there's things that I'm free of. And then there's the law of answered prayer. You mean God will answer our prayer? Yes, He said He would, and we'll talk about that. Then there's the law of praise and worship. The law of praise and worship, yeah. When we praise and worship God as we should, and folks, I'm telling you, there's no end to the things that can take place. Now, let me just stop right here for a few minutes or camp out here for a few minutes. To understand these things and the ways of the kingdom, we have to be determined to hear with more than just these paddles on the side of our head. We have to be determined to hear with our heart. We have to be determined to see with more than just these headlights that are sticking out up here that we see everything with. We have to be determined to, to see. And we have to believe and receive with more than just the heart that's this physical blood pump that we have within us. And I want to show you that. We go, uh, go a lot of times to, 
the parable of the seed and the sower. So for this purpose, I want to go to the parable of the seed and the sower. And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is given this parable of the seed and the sower, and he starts out as early in that chapter, and he talks about how that the seed is sown, some sown by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and, and gathered it up. Some are stone, on stony ground, sown on stony ground, and they sprang up, and they withered away because they don't have much root. And then there's some that stone, sown, and the thorns and thistles uh, crowd them out, and they don't bring forth any fruit. And then there's some that is sown on good ground that brings forth abundantly, some 100, some 60, and some 30-fold. Then in verse 9 of Matthew 13, he makes this statement. He that hath ears to hear, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Well, I'm convinced that all of those 5,000 plus that he was talking to out here, that they had ears to hear. They had ears. But somehow or another, somebody must not have been picking up on what he was saying. And what he wanted them to do is get it past just hearing it in the natural sense and get down to the point to where you listen to what God said. I, you know, I get amazed sometimes. We, we have a little bulletin and we put announcements in it and announcements go up on the board and we make announcements from the pulpit and invariably somebody comes along and says, well, when are we supposed to do that? And, and you hear it, but you're not listening. And that people said in church that same way. And they hear messages about the kingdom like this, they hear it, but they don't listen to it because we've got all of these other things around us and, and, and this preconceived idea that, that, man, if this is all there is to life and if it don't get any better than this, then, then, you know, what's the use of trying? But when we hear the teaching of the kingdom of God and realize there's more to life than what most of us have been living and experiencing, and if we'll hear that, then things can begin to happen in our life. Now, let me show you as we go down through this in Matthew Chapter 13, verse 15. By the way, Matthew chapter 13, it, the whole chapter is devoted to, to kingdom parables. There's seven of them. And after you get through with this one about the seed and the sower, he introduces the other six by saying, The kingdom of heaven is like this. 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 So here, and, and back in this, he says that if you don't understand this, it's hard to understand how the kingdom of heaven works. And if we don't get into it, then it's hard for us to realize that. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, he's talking about a people back in that day, not today. This is not talking about us, okay? We're all exempt from this. Hallelujah. I have to pray over this every day. I want you all to know, not for you all, but for me. But this people's heart, is waxed gross. Now let me just bring that up to a modern day. This people's heart has grown hard. Hard. And actually it means it's got so much, it's got so full with other things until it's hardened to the things of the kingdom. That's what it means. It's just got to the point to where it's not functioning and producing what it ought to. That's no, no uh, remedy or not diagnosis that they used to give for somebody when they would get begin to get senile. And I don't mean that ugly by no means, but they'd say had hardened of the arteries. Y'all ever heard that term, hardened of the arteries? Well, that's not a true medical diagnosis, is it, nurse ladies? Is that a hardened of the arteries? Is that a true medical diagnosis? 
parts, flattened orders. They don't call it that anymore, though, do they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> let me back up and go another round. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> well, if it's spiritually speaking, then hardened spiritual arteries is coming from a hardened spiritual heart. Okay. How's that? Does that sound good? Like a good diagnosis? All right. <laughs> oh, me. Thank you, Jamie, for that. You educated me. I appreciate it. I'll be careful about that. Anyway, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time, now listen to what he said, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, talking about their spiritual eyes, and hear with their ears, their spiritual ears, and should understand with their spiritual heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Now listen to what he says. When we apply ourselves to these things, listen to what the end result is. Healing in whatever area that it needs to be in. But, but we, we close out. Now listen, as you come on down in this parable, in verse 19 he's talking about that. It was sown by the wayside. He said, but he that received, in verse 19, Matthew 13, verse 19, he said, but he that receives seed in, I'm sorry, but he said that he that receives the seed by the wayside is he that hears the word of God and then understandeth it not. Now, I go back to what I said earlier. I can pray all day long for you to understand the word of God. That'd be just like uh, children in school. You know, if I was Hunter's algebra teacher, you take algebra? Next year you will. Okay, Algebra 2. Well, you've already took Algebra 1 then, haven't you? But just what I'm saying is this. I'm Hunter's Algebra teacher. And I get up every day, and I pray, Lord, help Hunter learn this Algebra. Help Hunter, Lord, just help Hunter learn this Algebra. And he comes into Algebra class, never takes his book out, he keeps it closed, sits there. And when he goes home, Bo and Jody says, Honey, you have any algebra homework? No, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I don't need that today. I ain't got time for that today. I'm all right. I can pray and pray and pray, and he's never going to get the concept of algebra until he begins to put effort into it. Right? So the only way that I'm going to ever understand the Word of God is I've got to put effort into it. Now, here he's talking about, and listen to what he said, that the Word of the Kingdom... The Word of the Kingdom, which is the Word of God, the Word of the Kingdom, and understandeth it not. And then whenever they make up their mind they're not going to understand it, the wicked one comes and catches it away. And here's what, here's what I, 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 last night as I was, I was talking to her, I preached to Loretta yesterday sitting out on the back porch, and she said this about me to preach today. This is actually comes to characterize somebody that don't care. You think about this. They don't care. They don't care enough to get in the Word of God. They don't care enough to, 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 to begin to understand the Word of God, to pray over the Word of God, and to put God's Word first place, make it final authority. They, don't, they just don't care. All of this stuff in life has overwhelmed them to the point that they're just so worldly-minded. They don't care. They don't care. But in verse 23, 
I want you to notice what he said. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. Now, you see, you see the difference between the first one and this one? The first one didn't understand it. The fourth one understands it. The first one got it stole from him, got absolutely not one benefit of the kingdom, and the one that put itself to understand it, he got some 100, some 60, and some 30 return. This person, these things taking place. Now listen, let me show you something here. This person to receive that word, he got past the don't care stage. Then the next tank thing, it talked about these that were sown on stony ground to those that hear the word, receive it, and get happy about it. Then they fall away and they get offended. So the second one, the next thing he did, after he got past the don't care stage, he got past the getting offended stage. People get offended at the word. People get offended at each other. People get offended at me. People get offended at you. People get offended. I get offended. You get offended. Some of us have learned how to handle it and use it. But, but even though I may get offended, it's momentarily, and it's not going to stop me from moving on with the Word of God. Yeah, but Pastor, there's got to be something that slow you down. If you're sitting and wondering and worried about what might slow me down, then you've not even got to the first base yet, okay? Because what you need to be concerned about is not what might slow me down, but what is keeping you from progress, Okay? And, and learn then how to handle it. If that offended you, you need to learn how to handle it and move on from it, all right? Then, not only did he get, a, get past that, but he got past the busyness of life. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, regardless of who you are in this room this morning, if we stood around and talked long enough, we would find out that's a problem. The busyness of life has got us to the point to where we can't receive the Word of God. We don't give it the opportunity. We don't understand it. We don't apply ourselves. And, and what we do get gets choked out because we've got this to go to, that to do, somewhere else to go, somewhere to be. We've got this program to watch. We've got this book to read. We've got this magazine article. We've got this paper. We've got all of this stuff going on. We've got work, 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 work. And I just don't have time for that. And what we do get gets choked out and it brings forth no fruit to perfection. Now, I want to be like this last one, don't you? So I want, to, I want to encourage you this. Join with me over these next few weeks. Let's get in here and understand the things of the kingdom. And you may think, well, Pastor, we've been through all this. I understand all this. Stuff, but I want to go back to my scripture that I read to begin with. I'm going to stir you up. Stir you up. You know these things, but it needs to be stirred up in us because why? All this other stuff comes along and just... And it'll begin to wear on us and pull us down. God wants us to enjoy the best of the kingdom that He has to offer us. But He's not going to lay it out there and you just act any kind of way and live any kind of way and do any kind of thing and get to enjoy the things of the kingdom. I thank God that one day I woke up to the fact that I can get into the kingdom and that I'm in the kingdom. And these blessings, I still go to the store. And I, my life is different. It's a different... Well, I still live on this earth. I still go to the store. I still shop. I still go to ball games. I still fish. I still hunt and things of this nature. And you don't have to quit doing any of those things to be in the kingdom. 
unless you're doing something that's sinful, and then you know, then you know, I, I feel like if you if you always going to the bars on the weekend, and any other time you get a chance, you get in the kingdom, the bar thing needs to sort of drop off. That's being nice, isn't it? <laughs> if you're living in adultery and you get right with God, that adultery thing needs to stop. I mean, on and on you could go with that. If you're constantly lying, and that's your habit, and you just seem to get a thrill out of the lying, you get in the kingdom of God, that lying thing is going to stop. But I'm talking about the things that, I, yeah, I worked and I'm still in the kingdom. I worked in my garden yesterday. I'm still in the kingdom. I sat around last night and I drank last night a cup of coffee. <laughs> Got you, didn't I? And I'm still in the kingdom. And I want to learn about the kingdom. I want to know more about the kingdom. I want to see these kingdom benefits. I want to see the healing. I want to see the, the blessing. I want to be able to walk in love. I want to be able to walk in faith. I want to be able to do these things. A man came to Jesus one night, a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses, verse 1 through 7. He came and he said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher. That's what Nicodemus is saying to Jesus. We know that thou art a teacher. We know that thou art a teacher. <laughs> Come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again. He cannot see, experience, live in, act in, flow in, function in, the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be, in bo be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, You must be born again. Only one way, like I said earlier, that you can get in the kingdom. That's by being born again into the kingdom. Then on down in, in John chapter 3, verse 16, he said this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, that they enter into the everlasting of Almighty God. That's how I got in the kingdom. Happened just a few days over 48 years ago. That's how I got in the kingdom. Can I tell you this? Plus or minus nothing. Regardless of what your experience was, that's how you got in the kingdom. Paul said, If we believe in our heart God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that He's Lord, we shall be saved. That means saved means that we're delivered from the power of darkness and translated over in the kingdom of His dear Son. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you in the kingdom? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Have you received that benefit of Him dying on the cross for you? And you come into Him and He forgives you of your sins. Let's bow our heads this night. As we have our heads bowed and